episode of the Scrumcast. I'm Jade Meskill. I'm Clayton Lengelzigic. I'm Roy Vandewater. I'm Derek Neighbors. I'm Drew Lissawir. So today we wanted to talk about uh, the new edition of the Scrum Guide that came out from Scrum.org. There's been a lot of controversial changes that have been made, some, some tweaking to the language, a few different things. And uh, we're just going to go down the, the Scrum update, uh, kind of bullet point by bullet point, and share some of our feelings and opinions. So to kick it off, let's talk about the first change that they, t- they talk about here. The, uh, the team of people performing the work of creating an increment is the development team. Regardless of the work performed by individual team members, they are known as developers. What do you think about this? I like it. So I can tell by the way that you're looking at me that you don't like it, Jade. <laughs> I'm just moderating here. Okay, right. <laughs> so I, I like the essential idea of it because I've seen with multiple um, scrum teams that when they go in, they run across the concept. We, we even came across this with Integrum last week where we said, but like what if only one guy is able to perform the specific task? Right, like we have all of these people that are able to work, but there's one thing that's like that's Jade's job. Jade's the only one that can handle that, and I think that that's a big problem. And I think that when you, I think I think that that is what they're trying to address here is that everybody should be cross-functional. Everybody should be able to perform any of the work inside of the sprint. And I think some of the hang-up comes from uh, as a developer, or maybe like software engineer, you think of the word developer meaning someone who writes software, uh, and so I think the if you take a step outside of that. You could say the word developer really means someone who's developing something that you know gets to the potentially shippable software. Um, so I guess I'm okay with this one. I don't think there's too much wrong with it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the, one of the problems you have is on a lot of teams, you might have Q&A and database administrator and architect and everybody identifies themselves differently. And so, uh, you know, in other language, if it said, you know, the programmers, there would be people that say, well, I'm not included in the team because I'm a Q&A person. I'm not a programmer. And so by switching it to developer, I think they're using a little bit softer language. And I think you could even argue that it allows for Scrum outside of software. So from a project management framework perspective, um, a developer could be anybody creating something. So if I'm developing something, whether it be a courseware, whether it be a you know piece of art or whatever, um, I'm a developer. And I think that they're, they're kind of softening the language for some ability to go outside of the network. Yeah, I, I agree as well. I think the core idea of this change is to unite the team and let's just give them the same name. All right, so let's move on. The next bullet point, development teams do not commit to completing the work planned during a sprint planning meeting. (gasps) The development team creates a forecast of work it believes will be done, but that forecast will change as more becomes known throughout the sprint. So that sounds like the exact opposite of a locked-in sprint. Like, that, uh, like, uh, more, like, we know how much stuff we're going to, like, the idea has always been, we lock in the time, the development team gets to establish a scope, right? So if now all of a sudden you're saying like, well, I'm going to get halfway through the week and now I don't think I'm going to be able to make it, like in traditional Scrum, um, that would be a huge deal and you'd have to have an early sprint termination and you'd have to uh, replan or restart your sprint or and that should be a painful process because that should happen really rarely. To me, this is the pussification of Scrum. I mean, just That's straight. The exact word I used before we started. Straight up, I mean, it, it went from a 
you know, that this is a contract whereby you commit to the work. You get to decide how much work you commit to. You commit to it. Um, and the other side of the contract is that you're not, you do not have to accept change um, that comes in um, as part of that contract. In fact, at one time, my understanding is that the right way to abnormally terminate a sprint because of change was to physically throw yourself on the floor and scream bloody murder like a young toddler until you got your way that the change went away or that management was sufficiently known um, that bad things were happening between the contract, between the team, the development team, and the product owner. And now we're using language that says, well, you know, the team just kind of says that they would like to get this stuff done, but, you know, if the world changes and stuff happens, we're not really making a commitment. And, and I, I, I think... It, I think, too, that one of the guys who... Uh, the, the guy who coined it, that way of doing an abnormal ter- sprint termination is Ken Schwaber, one of the guys who signed this. That, that's uh, correct. New- and and I, think, I think what they're trying to do is remove absolutism or pragmatism, and I think by softening the language, they're going to do the exact opposite of that. So they went from something where it's very hard, you terminate the sprint in this way, and you're a total asshole about it, even if it's the right thing to do, to now, well, we don't want to ever say that you ever really make a commitment because that's sometimes not the right thing to do. And and I think that really it's a middle ground where you're, you should be making a commitment. The commitment should be something that you really honor. But if there is valid reason to change or to terminate or to do that or that there is some ability to negotiate, I think you should be able to do that. I, I think by going to the wishy-washy language, they really don't help anybody. They're, you're going to have teams that say, I don't have to commit to anything. What are you talking about? I, I don't I, – I mean if I can only do a five even though I told you I could do a 50, that's you know that's, uh, that's scrum. Yeah, so I think the, the second part of this where it talks about how more will become known you know, during the sprint, I think that's just another way of saying that negotiation. So I think we do that now already yes. where if something comes up, you can negotiate that. Maybe it's a big deal. Maybe it's not. Um, I think the, the change from – Commitment to forecasting, what's been interesting for me is following a lot of this on Twitter, there's been a lot of people that have said things like, you know, I think commitment's a great word because I want the development team to feel the weight of the world on their shoulders. Like they feel like, hey, this is a really big deal, right? And then other people are saying, um, well, geez, you know, the weight of the world and I want to feel like, uh, you know, make the development team feel like they have to do it. Those are all very negative uh, kind of, you know, words. And so it, it's, I guess, you know, I agree with you that it's the pussification. Scrum pussies. Right. You know, so it's kind of like let's be very gentle and let's be very cautious of uh, not making people feel bad or so, you know, that kind of thing. And I, I agree that there's a lot to be said for feelings and emotions and the words that we use. Uh, but at the same time, I don't think that uh, the commitment the commitment stuff is, is negative necessarily. I don't think that has to be a negative thing. I think that can be viewed as a positive thing. So – I I think that uh, that too like as far as the negative emotions of saying like you have to get this done well yeah I committed to it like I said that I would get this done and whether you see that as negative or not it shouldn't be a negative thing if I said I can get this done then there shouldn't be anything negative about me getting it done right that should be a positive thing so I'm pretty sure I'm going to go back to my wife and say that I'm I'm not really happy that we're um, married and I made a commitment. I would like to forecast that we will be together for the next six to seven years, and we can renegotiate another six to seven years um, as, as more we information as we get more available. information. <laughs> yeah, I will say that I, I since I read the the, uh, the actual longer winded update about order versus prioritizers, which we're going to get to in a second. Uh, I will say I will kind of sort of withhold judgment on this one until. 
we get the full explanation, but my gut feeling is that it's kind of what we've been talking about. So my my other thing is one of the things that Derek mentioned when he was reading when he was when he was talking about the pacification of Scrum, where the idea of the commitment is that when uh, I say I'm going to get this done and commit to absolutely getting this done and locking the sprint, and that's my part of the deal, and the other part of the deal is that I won't get interrupted with random requests, and I think that if I don't. And it's not really a sacrifice, but if I don't make that that uh, promise that I'm going to get something done, and if I don't give something from myself, then uh, why should the other people, uh, why should stakeholders or product owners respect the fact that I have a locked-in sprint? Like if I can change my mind halfway through, why can't they? Yeah. Also, I think you know, with the word commitment, it, right, Clayton? You talked about oh, people might you know feel bad if they don't get it done, or it's or it's a downer term, but still, I I think you know. Obviously, there's going to be times where you don't reach your commitment through whatever reason. But the the fact that it is a commitment and that you set it as a commitment and that you didn't hit it, that brings up a conversation. What caused you to not hit your commitment? And that, that brings up maybe an underlying issue. If you just say it's a forecast and, oh, we didn't hit it, oh, it's okay because it was a forecast anyway, then maybe the underlying issue of the real problem, why you didn't hit your forecast or commitment, it's not going to be brought up. Right, we're almost getting into the wishy-washy ter- territory of having the commitment be the same thing as estimates, where like, okay, well, we didn't do this in twice the amount of time as the other tasks, so our estimates were wrong. Well, who cares? They were estimates. In this case, they're forecasts, but our forecasts should be commitments, and they should be accurate. And if they are wrong, we should do something about it. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, I think it is they're trying to soften the language to change the emotional tone. And, and on that level, I don't have a huge problem with it. But I also think that it does fundamentally change the contract or the original intent. I mean, this really changes it more to, oh, we're estimating what we can get done this week, opposed to, we're going to get this done. And to me, one of the biggest things that I see people interested in adopting Scrum for is they want predictability in work so that they can understand, you know, is a sales team or is a CEO how can I determine what the future of this company looks like based on what can be the work that can be committed to? And if it really becomes a super loosey-goosey, forecasty type of thing, uh, the predictability goes way, way down because nobody trusts a, a forecast, um, especially when it's uh, really seen as a, a forecast. Now, maybe over time... If you hit your forecast considerably and, and do that, then maybe it is something that people feel can be predictable. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm a little torn on this one. I think I think they're going a little bit too wishy-washy for, for my liking. All right, so let's keep moving down. We got uh, Scrum does not mandate a burndown chart to monitor progress. Scrum requires only that remaining work for sprint is summed and known on a daily basis. Trending toward completing the work of the sprint is maintained throughout the sprint. Okay. I mean, if you don't want to burn down chart, you want to represent it using something else, like, whatever. That doesn't bother me. I think it's a good idea to have a burn down chart, but I don't think that it's, like, that particular format needs to be the case. I, I like that it says how much work is left needs to be known at every single every single day. Like, that makes sense. Yeah, I think they, they clarify this um, in some of the other document, or, you know, that they wrote about the documentation they say that they've kind of tried to remove some of the tips and best practices, and they're going to put those out as a separate document. So I think this is kind of just So just going to move out. to best practices. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, I, I think this is a case where they so specifically said everything that happens in a burndown chart that it almost makes it say, really, you have to do a burndown chart unless you can come up with a better way to achieve all the exact same objectives of a burndown chart, yeah, right. which, which to me is 
I, I think a good way. I don't think they've softened what they're asking for. They're just being more open to different ways to do it that they may not know today. Right. Sure. Let's keep moving quickly through here. Okay. Uh, release planning is a valuable thing to do when using Scrum, but isn't required by Scrum itself. I think that's probably the same, kind of falls in the same category. Yep. yep. Okay, the sprint, bla- the sprint backlog is the product backlog items selected for the sprint, plus a plan for delivering them. There is no longer a required concept of sprint backlog items, although that technique can make a great plan. A self-organizing development team always has a plan. So I think one of the uh, clarifications here is that sprint backlog items is generally what I think a lot of teams call tasking. Um, So when you take your stories from the backlog into the sprint backlog, the sprint backlog items are not the stories that you've selected from the backlog and moved into the sprint backlog. They're actually the tasks for those stories is my understanding of the original concept of a sprint backlog item. So in this case, I think they're saying, you know, it's not necessary that you task out all of the details of the stories to do the work. But a good team has a plan for how they're going to do the work, and I take that very similar to the burn-down effect, mm-hmm. where they're saying you still have to have this element if you're doing a good job, but we're not going to say that tasking is necessarily the way that you do that. All right. Uh, and finally, the product backlog is ordered instead of prioritized, providing flexibility to the product owner to optimize value in his or her unique circumstances. So when I read this one, I kind of had the same reaction as the forecast and commitment. Um, it seems, at, you know, first glance, it's kind of just semantics where it's like, well, okay, if you were really taking into the letter of the law and you were saying, well, I have to prioritize these, and to me, priority means that the most important ones at the top and the least ones at the bottom, and there's no other way I can do it. And I guess if you really took it that way and you were really being, like, pedantic about it, then, yes, that's what you would think. But I feel like you know, you would be able to exercise some flexibility and say, well, you know, I, I, there's some other ways, you know, this is more important. And, and I think they get into that with the the blog post that they posted the other day about uh, order not prioritize, where they actually go into the details about this. Um, I think they do a good job explaining why it really is just kind of an, um, they're opening up the different ways that you could prioritize. And, not you know, prior, priority is not maybe the best way to do it. And there's lots of different ways to order your backlog. And you don't necessarily have to order by ROI all the time. Um, you know, there's some things that are going to be more invaluable than others at different times, and there's a lot of, you know, relationship that certain backlog items have. You know, you have to look at them all together. And, and I think the document they've put out since then has really explained what they mean by this. So I, I think it makes more sense. And if this helps people to understand the intent or the meaning behind what it means to order or prioritize a backlog, I think it's a good thing. I, I agree. I've seen situations in the past where a product owner will go through and they'll take 20 backlog items, right? And they'll, they'll go through and five of them are priority one, three of them are priority two, and so on. And then they don't really care about it. Like, they're not thinking of it in terms of which one gets done first. They're like, well, this one is really important. This one's more important than, than all of these other ones. But these are all about equally important. And when we get into sprint planning, that makes things very difficult because then when we start the week, they... They don't know which one the which ones to pull in, and if you spend the time to think about it ahead of time, and like the article that you mentioned, kind of talks about doing a bubble sort where you take each story and you compare it to the one above it and the one below it, and say, well, is this one more important than this one, or is this one like should this one be done first, or should the other one be done first? And if you go through and order an entire backlog that way, I think you'll get you'll get a lot more value out of that than just assigning a priority number to each one. Pussification of Scrum again. 
Um, I, I, I think I think the problem is you've had 15 years or 10 years of um, basically poor definition of the word priority um, to product owners, probably from scrum masters or the development team. And so everybody thinks of priority as low, medium, high, you know, important, not important, critical. Like those are the words we think of when we think of priority. Mm-hmm. It's a loaded which, word. Which I don't think that that's the definition of priority. I mean, I think priority can be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And when somebody says, oh, well, one through five are all the same to me, I can call bullshit. Do you want to be in fifth place or do you want to be in first place? Those are not the same things. You need to learn what is really number one, what is really number two, what is really number three, what is really number four. And, and I think that's and, what ordered addresses. That's less less it, ambiguous than prioritized because prioritized can mean different things to different I, I people, think, but ordered is always the order that they are in the backlog. I, I, I agree, but I also think it, it, it pulls out and also makes things a, a little bit less of, of a language too. Order them doesn't have nearly the urgency to being ordered, right? So if you say, can you order those, right? Yeah, you can order them, but is there an urgency to having them ordered? Where a priority gives, gives to me the thing that is on the top of the order is more important than the thing on the bottom of the order. If I order something... I'm not necessarily going – I can reverse order something, and the most important thing can be on the bottom of the top. When I call something a priority, I expect the thing on the top to be the most important. I, I think where they've gotten this muddy language is they're like, oh, well, you know, it's, it's by business value or by it's by this, and there's different ways you could prioritize. So we need to – no, it's, that's not the fucking problem. Like I think that you can, you can definitely prioritize by different things. Um, and you can do that on a case-by-case basis, meaning you can come in and you can prioritize you know, one week based on business value and another week you can based on customer demand, whatever. You've got the ability at the end of each iteration to basically – I'm sorry, increment to uh, you know, move this however you want. Um, the, the problem is that they don't want to talk about the, the real problem with the language, and that is – that you know, telling product owners that they may have to make hard decisions. You know, you have to know is this story more important than this story? And I think that most teams get away with letting product owners go. Well, this block of things are all the same to me. And so, I mean, like, I don't think calling it ordered is going to make that problem go away at all. I well, think it's just going to compound it. I think there's a problem too with even with using the word importance. Like, I think Drew and I have had discussions on this in the past. That uh, let's say you have two items, right? One is pretty important, right? And I got another one that's about half as important, but it takes a fifth of the time to complete. And when I'm talking about important, I mean it's going to earn me a dollar value. And the other one's going to earn me half the dollar value, but it's also going to take one-fifth of the development time. That's why the product owner gets the big bucks. He has to make that decision okay. to say wh- which one is the one that needs to be done first, the one that takes longer but makes me more money or the one that I can get done quicker and doesn't make me as much money. But which one's a higher priority? And I think priority in this case is a loaded word, and that's why I like the idea of uh, doing it from order. Like, how, this how one is, is any, first over the other How are you calling it priority order over order any, any different? Because yeah. even in the way that you described it, you said this one's more important than the other one, and it's not more important. It's half as important, but it makes me twice as – it gets How me is it money not faster. More important. So when you if think I want it done first, it's more important. I I don't think that's necessarily the case. Well, I, so I think well, that priority doesn't mean importance either. Right. People, people load or people attach maybe a money value with importance. Yeah, this makes me twice as much money. It's going to be more important. It's going right. to be more priority. So the pro- but that's not necessarily the case. Yeah, the problem I have is that I think a lot of the reasons that they they give for why they switch to ordered is they talk about how. There's so much complexity about, uh, you know, I'll kind of quote this article, knowledge of evolving market windows, market conditions, uh, engineering dependencies, you know, knowledge of business. There's all these things that go into it. So I feel like if you're the kind of person that really understands those things where you could make use of this concept, the, the difference, the actual paradigm difference between ordering and, and um, 
priority. If you actually understand all those things, I don't think that you get hung up on the word priority. Right. I don't think you say, I have all this right. knowledge and I'm a very intelligent person and I understand all the nuance, but the word says priority, so I have to do it by priority. <laughs> like, I just don't see that happening. So it seems almost meaningless at that point, you know. But with oh. the beginners, with people first coming into it, I think they do get hung up on the word priority. And I think that ordering would set them on the right path quicker than using the word priority. But I think the point they're making is that you can, prior, you can order a lot of different ways. And I think you can, you can prioritize a lot of different ways. And, you know, I think when we, at the, the um, product owner training that I attended, there were lots of different ways to prioritize. It wasn't that you just prioritize by one. You know, it wasn't, sure, wasn't one of the suggestions was alphabetical. It wasn't just, you know, you prioritize by ROI. You right. know, so there's, there's lots of different ways to prioritize. And I think if, if, you can, if you understand that and you realize, hey, there isn't, it's not just by what's most important or just ROI, then it's kind of meaningless at that point. But I think it's hard to get people to get get to actually understand that and internalize that. Yeah, I, I, had they called this order originally, and then now they're changing it prior, I could see us having this exact same conversation. Yeah. So, so here's mm-hmm. here's my problem with it: is it's the definition of why they're making the change. If they said we're going from priority to order because we feel priority is a, a loaded word that confuses new product owners, I would be totally supportive. That's not what they're saying. They're saying we changed it from priority to order because you can't prioritize things by different things. What? That's fucking retarded. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Schwaber. You're a Now, if you want to say that you changed it because the language is confusing, I absolutely buy that. Priority is absolutely a loaded word, but that's not what they're saying. Well, they- I disagree with their reason for the change. <laughs> All right. And so, hold, so hold on. On that wonderful note, let's, uh, let's wrap this thing up. Uh, let's take the next 30 seconds or so and just talk about, you know, what are your feelings overall with this change? You know, maybe what are you most afraid of? 10 seconds each. Tell me what you got. I think it'll generate a lot of discussion on social networks and podcasts and things like that. And in six months it will be totally forgotten. I think that generating the discussion is a good thing because it brings visibility to Scrum and Agile. I'm concerned only uh, on the only item on this that I'm really concerned about is the, the term forecast instead of commitment. The rest, I'm either impartial or actually prefer. Uh, I love the fact that they're actually making change for a framework that's all about an inspect and adapt. It's not changed much for 10 years, so I give, Ken, I'll give you credit for having the balls to make change. <laughs> um, the thing that concerns me the most is uh, the comment that says that we have worked closely with the community, and they name two people that they've worked with in the community. I'm sorry, this community is now tens or hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, the way you approach change is probably not the best. Yeah, the only thing that I'm um, really feel f- fearful of is the commitment versus forecast change. Um, I think that commitment is a good, solid word, and people uh, need, I would like to hear people use that. All right, thanks a lot. With that, we will uh, wrap up this Scrumcast. Thanks for listening.